Don't you worry about a thing. Jesus Christ is still the King. Welcome to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr on Iowa Catholic Radio. Every Wednesday, diving deep in the truth of the Catholic Church and restoring all things in Christ. The Uncommon Good, live from the Mercy Live Up Studio. The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Bo Bonner. I'm Bud Marr. We are coming to you live from the Mercy Live Up Studio in Des Moines, Iowa. 11.50 a.m., 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM, streaming live, iowacatholicradio.com. And if you have the Iowa Catholic Radio app, brought to us by Blessman Ministries and the People Abstract Company, you can listen to us darn near tootin' anywhere. Bud, how are you doing today? Doing okay. How about yourself, Bo? I feel like my lungs are caving in, but I'm still here, Bud, because I sit with it. Well, I'm a trooper. You you were out of town this past weekend. Um, where was it again? Wichita, Kansas. You may have heard of it. Well, yeah, I but for what event? Oh, okay, the Midwest Catholic Family Conference. But you were asking for prayers, uh, yeah, for the old throat on Friday. So I had to speak to a bunch of high schoolers on Saturday and Sunday. And as you know, high schoolers are dangerous people. <laughs> I mean, they will they will turn on you. Uh, just ask John Leonetti. But I uh, I had complete laryngitis, dude. My voice was completely gone. And so I thought I was going to have to get really good at writing fast or, like, get a Stephen Hawking's computer or something. But it all came back because of your prayers and was ready to go Saturday through Sunday. And uh, they had to listen to me. They thought they were going to be able to avoid it, but they did not. Once you're um, on the radio and you start teaching and everything, I feel like I pay a lot more attention to my old vocal cords and... I, know. Gotta, I should invest in some book that teaches you how to exercise. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, every morning I... The, uh, I sing different octaves, and no, I do not do hey, that. Hey, but it's state fair season. State fair. Your favorite time of the year. I've, everybody has pegged me as the state fair person. You're the state fair guy. It's actually my wife. She loves <laughs> state fairs, which is funny because she's a very, you know, uh, she doesn't usually like getting out of the house except at state fairs. So I don't know. It runs deep in her blood, I guess. So what's the particular draw of the state fair for Robin? I think there's so many people, and people are doing much weirder things that she's not noticed. So she can be out in public, but like no one remember that she was there. Yeah, it is. It's a great place to people watch. Yeah, <laughs> that's one way to put it. <laughs> Speaking of people watching, but as always, underwritten by Mercy College of Health Sciences. And if you want to watch Mercy College Health Science yeah. people, we're going to be there all week at the Varied uh, Industries Building. And then on August 15th, our Red Ribbon Day, we're going to be out on the Grand Concourse. So uh, if you want to watch people watch Mercy College of Health Science or how people interact with the old purple, that's our color, by the way. You guys can't see that on the radio, but that's what it is. Um, that's when Mercy College of Health Sciences underwrite our show out there all week at the State Fair at the Varied uh, Industries Building. You and I are funny 15th. because... Um you know, uh, I feel like we have a low bar of expectations for benefits. Uh-huh. It's like Mercy College, when we get hired, they lay out, like, here's your health insurance, and, you know, you, you got a free membership to, not free membership, discounted membership yeah. to the Y. But then they're like, can you represent us at the state fair? And we're like, oh, yeah. Oh, free state fair tickets. Yeah, that's right. Like, how job has been worth it. Yeah. I'm by corn dogs for like a whole week. Yeah. I'll work for nothing. No one heard that. Okay. Also, as always, underwritten by Cartridge World. Um, Cartridge World is an industry leader, delivering high-performance printing products that help you save time, money, and print great. It's perfect for businesses, home offices, college students, or busy moms trying to find affordable printing supplies, including ink, toner, paper, or printers. For business customers, pickup and delivery are available. 801 73rd Street in Windsor Heights, 515-564-7400, onlinecartridgeworld.com. 
Today we have one of our uncommon good all stars back with us, bud. I love the recurring guests. Yeah, the recurring guests, they've earned it. We put them through a rigorous uh no we don't, we don't do anything rigorous <laughs> here. But we all know that people actually the rigorous test that we put them through is I have to think uh Katie Patrizio, who's up next, uh director, Lord Chancellor of All Ames, or at least Faith Formation at Saints of Cecilia is one of those two. I'd have to say that, like, on her podcast, we got the most, you know, Hits. like Mark Zuckerberg tells you how many people look at your posts. Mm-hmm. That one was up there. Yep. So bringing Katie back today, I think it will be worth it. What are we talking about, Bo? Uh, I, I think that we want to keep it a secret. No, we're talking about Jesus. La Biblia. Jesus in the Bible. Okay. That's usually what we do, bud. No, magnanimity and uh, actually about sloth. Some people's favorite animal out there. So if you stick around, we'll be back in a minute with the Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr. We have Katie Petruccio coming up. See you in a bit. Service and Robert Coda. That's what you can count on with Farm Bureau Financial Services. Robert Coda, your Farm Bureau agent in Central Iowa, here to help people like you through all stages of life. He can make it simple to help protect what is most important to you, your family, cars, home, and future. Farm Bureau makes insurance simple. Robert Coda, 515-961-4555 or online at robert.coda at fbfs.com. Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Farm Bureau Property and Casualty Insurance Company. Iowa Catholic Radio would like to say a special thank you to our business partners that underwrite our programming. Friends, each day God's Word is proclaimed on this station. The message of Jesus Christ and the teachings of the church can be heard and are changing lives. We are very grateful for our business partners and would like to bless them for their support. That is why we've created an online business directory. Organized by topic for easy use, we hope you'll like it. Go to iowacatholicradio.com to check it out. Support for The Uncommon Good is provided by Cartridge World. Cartridge World is an industry leader delivering high-performance printing products that help you save time, money, and print great. Perfect for businesses, home offices, college students, or busy moms trying to find affordable printing supplies including ink, toner, paper, or printers. For business customers, pickup and delivery are available. Products are guaranteed or full replacement. Cartridge World, your low-cost, environmentally friendly printing experts, 801 73rd Street in Windsor Heights, 515-564-7400, and online at cartridgeworld.com. Support for Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano, is provided by Confluence Brewing Company, brewed locally and featuring regular, seasonal, and limited-release beers available in their tap room and at local stores, bars, and restaurants. Confluence Brewing Company is found at 1235 Thomas Beck Road, off the bike trail south of Grays Lake, and online at confluencebrewing.com. Confluence Brewing Company is a proud supporter of Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio. Back with the Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr. With us today, Katie Patrizio, like I said, Uncommon Good All-Star uh, what a Divine Treasures All-Star, along with uh, Deacon Tony. Um, All-around great person. You do. I mean, you're making th- the rounds here today. You, how many different shows have you been on? Have you been on every show on the, the station yet? Not yet, but um, yeah, we were joking that I got here so early I must have camped out outside That's in right. excitement for being on the show. Yeah. Well, so who hasn't roped you in yet? Um, so I've been on, well, ironically, I've been on John Leonetti in the morning without John Leonetti. Uh-huh. That's and... that's an experience all of us have had. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been on your guys' show, and just two weeks ago, I was on Catholic Women Now. Yeah, and isn't there another one coming up, too? Yeah, they want me to come on monthly. I don't know why. Oh, my gosh. You're 
this is how it begins. I, I started coming on monthly, then weekly, then we had a show. Now I have to go buy John Leonetti Starbucks randomly. <laughs> this is how they get you. Are you going to be at the state fair today and be on the back of the truck? Because well, that's a pretty good sign. I don't know. I'm wondering if I should apply for a job at Mercy so I could be next to the corn dogs. That's the, yeah, I, they're right. There's there's benefits, people. I think it's funny that it's health sciences and then we're going to be associated with corn dogs. They're they're not that bad. Yeah, they're bad for you. Okay, let's just not pretend. Well, speaking of corn dogs, sort of today, uh, Katie, you're gonna. Uh, I think very much in your wheelhouse. You, we ask you to come back on, and you look at the day you're gonna be on, and you go, "Hey, the Bible readings for today at mass, a perfect subject to talk about." Um, and precisely because we wanted to talk about um, a virtue and a vice that most people really regard in an individualistic way. Mm-hmm. And I think in uh, line with the themes of the show, you wanted to talk about maybe the social impact of those, those, those being sloth and magnanimity. So what were the readings today that prompted you to think about these things? Yeah, so I'm definitely lazy and non-creative. So yeah, when you said... Or liturgical <laughs> is another way to say it. <laughs> when you said, how about August 9th? What do you want to talk about? I just went on USCCB and looked at the readings. And they are from... Uh, the first reading is from Numbers. And so that's the story of... Um, so you have to remember like the backstory is that the Israelite people have been brought out of um, slavery in Egypt um, during the Exodus. And um, in this reading from Numbers, they're outside of the land of Canaan, which is the promised land. And um, God tells Moses to send representatives from each of the tribes to spy on the land because they're going to prepare to take it. And so what happens is they spend 40 days spying on the land. Uh, They come back and uh, the reading tells us, the scripture tells us, they go to Moses and they say, we went into the land to which you sent us. It does indeed flow with milk and honey, uh, something that God promised it would. Uh, And here is its fruit. They even bring back some of the fruit of the land. Um, But then they go on. However, the people who are living in the land are fierce and the towns are fortified and very strong. And basically what they end up doing, if you jump down, it tells us um, that they advise, even though the land is flowing with milk and honey, even though God has promised that he would give them the land, even though they're on the doorstep of the land, they actually end up uh, discouraging the people from following Moses into the promised land because uh, the people are, uh, what does it say? It's, it's, this is such a funny verse. It's a, they say, the land that we explored is a country that consumes its inhabitants, which... I would love to think that's actually literal and yeah. not figurative. Right. So I'm like, are the Canaanites cannibals? Hopefully. <laughs> and all the people we saw there are huge, veritable giants. We felt like mere grasshoppers. Um, and so they say we shouldn't we shouldn't go into the promise So line. beyond like what we're going to talk about, the theme, one of the reasons I love this particular story is it, when you're you're out there talking and you're trying to you know do apologetics, talking about the faith, and you'll hear someone say something to the effect of like, "Well, you just read your scriptures, which tells you what you want to hear," and is this long story about like how these God's chosen people are so great, blah blah blah. They they get this idea that it's just sort of like self justification, but the Bible is full of these stories. Mm-hmm. Where you're thinking like, we're going to go to the land of milk and honey and come back and be like, yeah, it's ours for the taking. Instead, it's a total buzzkill mm-hmm. 
these spies come back and Debbie Downer, the entire people of Israel, and everybody's all like, we shouldn't go even though God has done all these miraculous things. And then to add it all up, they're like, we felt like grasshoppers, which you're like, who came up with that one? (laughs) Yeah, the Bible is hilarious. If you allow yourself to read it um, with an understanding that God has a sense of humor, it's very, very funny. Yeah. yeah, funny and depressing because <laughs> this is, I mean, this is us today, right? Yes. So yes. God has promised us all these things and we're like, I don't know, God. Yes. The people are pretty tall. <laughs> uh, when I hear when I hear passages like this, it strikes me like for myself, I know a lot of times I think of temptation as something outside of me, that there's these alluring things that Satan kind of puts in our path. But here you can see that... Um, you know, failing to enter into God's will can sometimes be this just like corrosive internal where where you begin to just lose trust in God. Um, and, you know, at this point in the narrative, the, the Israelites had seen so many miraculous works that God has done, mm-hmm. but just like a few kind of roadblocks. And now all of a sudden doubt enters in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think we like to think that Satan is the the author of every possible negative um, uh, like thought that comes into our mind. But I think the intelligence and power of him is that he really probably only has to do a very little. Right. Uh, to, and the rest of it is just our fallen, disordered human nature. There's many ways in which Satan is one of the easier job descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> so like if you see like a job description for Satan on a job board, it's like tempt humans into bad decisions. You're like, that's not hard. Yeah, and <laughs> we're ev- pretty up for it. <laughs> Eventually, they'll just tempt themselves, and you can go into retirement. That's right. <laughs> well, so in contrast to that, and uh, I will say this, you know, you you said you were being lazy in accusing <laughs> of that, but one of the things that's great is. You know, sometimes for the daily readings, the the two, the Old Testament and the New Testament readings don't have loads to do with each other. I mean, they're kind of tangentially related. So as Providence would have it, these two are completely related yep. and, in fact, almost contrasted. So the New Testament um, sort of gives us a bit of an antidote to that first reading. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's really fantastic how much they parallel each other. So in the first reading... The the Israelites are at the doorstep of Canaan, which is uh, what has been promised to them, what they have been awaiting. And they basically say, actually, we're not that into it. Never mind. Let's just, I don't know, let's just find another house somewhere to live in or something like that. Then you jump to the gospel, which is Matthew fifteen twenty one through 28. And it's the story of the Canaanite woman. So that's a detail that's really easy to overlook. The Canaanite woman who is, and this this is another example of, of scripture being hilarious, uh, is is following Jesus and the disciples around to the ex- to, to the point that it, it tells us the disciples came and asked Jesus, please send her away for she keeps calling out after us. So you, this is a very nagging, annoying, uh, awkward kind of experience that you get the you get the vibe that it's like been prolonged for right. quite some time. And then she has this interesting interaction with Jesus. Um, it, he says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is how he responds after the disciples say, uh, come and say, can you send her away? I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It says, but the woman came and did him homage saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. And she says in reply, 
Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. And they have they have this interaction. They have this deep understanding, apparently, because then Jesus completely changes what seems to be his attitude and says, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that hour, which is why she had been following them around. And so what the Israelites at the doorstep of the land of Canaan rejected the Canaanite woman entering into the new covenant, the new Israel on the doorstep of that um, is insistent. This is what I want. I will follow you. I will nag you on and on and on and on until Jesus is so moved and, and says, yes, you may have it. It is yours. This is the Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Meyer. We're speaking with Katie Patrizio. I think that that is a fantastic way to to put what you said because this this comes up with so many different issues that people bring up. One that comes off the top of my mind is we'll often ask, why aren't more people on fire for the faith? If everything God says is true, why aren't people more on fire for the faith? Well, on one hand, the Old Testament shows that it's usually the very people of the of God that will come up with every excuse after seeing so much to not, like you said, just walk into the doorstep, just right at the door Mm -hmm. and they won't walk in. But on the other hand, you know, we want faith to be, you know, easy or we want it to be exciting or we want it to to be great looking. But actually faith is something like a nagging woman who won't let God alone, (laughs) that we have to be willing to say that we'll be the dogs of grace. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be at the table. We'll take even the scraps because, of course, those scraps are greater than anything that we can do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. It makes me think, you know, in the rule of St. Benedict, when um, people want to join the monastery, St. Benedict doesn't say welcome them in. He says you're actually supposed to let them sort of like sweat it out a bit <laughs> and see if they really want to do yeah. it. And so it's almost counterintuitive to, you know, a lot of us are involved with evangelization around the table. It almost seems like the heart, like if you, you, you have to allow there to be a bit of a, that if you if you lay the door open for people, they'll come up with reasons not to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you throw out a bit of, well, this food's for the master, mm-hmm. people will strive after mm-hmm. it. I don't know if we want to like go all the way down with those claims on the radio. That might make some people mad. But I think that there's something to that, that, it, that people want to feel like the faith is something worth fighting for mm-hmm. and not just something they tumble into. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So G.K. Chesterton has a quote that the world is dry, not for lack of wonders, but for lack of wonder. Um, And we we talk about the Israelites, like we were saying, they had so many opportunities to observe wonder uh, or wonders, but they failed to do that with their own sense of wonder. Um, And if you don't uh, approach the spiritual life and the life of grace and the striving for holiness and virtue with a sense of wonder at the wonders God does, Mm -hmm. it becomes a source of boredom and lack of excitement. Bo, you were kind of hinting at this earlier when you were talking about, um, you know, how the Bible is not just one long string of victories. And one thing that you see is that there's there's often an inversion of who you would expect to be sort of on the inside of God's plan. You know, in the Gospels, this comes up a lot when Jesus has arguments with some of the religious leaders and says, look, you can't trust simply in your Abrahamic heritage. You know, God could raise up children of Abraham from the rocks. Um, but I know for myself, it's easy to read the scripture and just get in the mindset that, 
you're the as you read it, you're the one who would have been on the good side. You're the one who would have seen the light or whatnot. And yet for us, like with the sacraments and the gifts of the new covenant, I feel like we can almost be more prone to like overestimating our standing before God. And so as as we're talking about the readings today, my mind couldn't help but go to First Corinthians ten where St. Paul gives a brief sort of synopsis of what happened in the wilderness and said, look, these things happened to you as a sign, as an example. Don't be idolaters. And almost gives the impression that the judgment will be greater for those who have the gifts of the new covenant, but then, you know, turn away or fall into the same kind of traps that the Israelites did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, if, if we if we get more specific and talk about how this relates to sloth, for example, or even you can you can really parse out like the the terminology and here so magnanimity, sloth, acedia, how that fits into like Thomas Aquinas's notion of virtues, mm-hmm. and on and on and on and on. Um, but it, without parsing it out. Um, there's a wonderful book out there called Overcoming Lukewarmness, and arguably lukewarmness is what leads to sloth. And one of the best definitions I heard of sloth in my undergrad was sadness at the difficulty in obtaining the good. Mm. And so arguably, that's in part what the Israelites experienced when um, they get the report on the land of Canaan, a sadness at the difficulty in obtaining the good of the promised land. Um, and, And so... Even if you are in, to an extent, the promised land of the new covenant, if we want to call that the church because it's a a here and now, but a later, you can still, surrounded by wonders, have a lack of wonder. Um, And so in this book, Overcoming Lukewarmness, the author says, um, when this happens, the life of piety, he says, can uh, get to be a nuisance, something I have to do. Acts of piety become rules, lifeless acts with no heart. And in the end, become boring and repellent and eventually are abandoned. And that's really problematic. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Mars speaking with Katie Patrizio about sloth, asadia, lukewarmness, magnanimity. Um, and, you know, I t- said this at the top of the, the show. There's a way in which I think we miss the point and precisely set ourselves up to fall into what you're talking mm-hmm. about. If sloth is seen as like just this um, personal defect of individuals. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that in this reading, what made you that, that called to your mind sloth and magnanimity, it's a group of people that demonstrate a sort of like communalist idea. And it's not that, you know, some, we hear the word sloth and we think of the animal. Mm. That's the problem in English, I think. <laughs> uh, people will, hear, like, will think that sloth is depression mm. or laziness. But uh, the same sort of medieval masters that point this out that actually people with sloth or asadia usually many of them get really tied up in busy work they Mm -hmm. can look frantically busy Mm -hmm. because of course busy work is a way to avoid the deep slow long work that is difficult and this the true movement to the good so you think about in the old testament as the, the the reading today you know they're gonna if somehow they could have actually chose and they decide don't do cana they're lining themselves up a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to go find somewhere else, mm-hmm. make peace with these people. There won't be, you know, milk and honey or mm-hmm. whatever. But so it's not that they're being lazy. It's that, like you said, a sadness over what it will take to be the people of God. Mm-hmm. And that can sound, um, again, I go back to this. If if you want to act like the Bible is this victory after victory, mm-hmm. 
and that Christianity is just this self-satisfied religion, you, we would have never invented a vice like sloth <laughs> because sloth is, on its face can make someone sound sad that you go like, really? You can be sad at the prospect of of the difficulty, the good, but don't we say it's the journey is, you know, what matters and like we have posters about, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you go, man, what a very human and insightful vice to, to say gets in the way so often. Yeah, I don't think there's a person that doesn't experience that. And it manifests itself usually in really small day-to-day experiences um, and tasks. So I love how you brought up that um, it sloth can actually look like busyness. So, for example, in the spiritual life, um, you can um, have like a prayer regimen. You can go to daily mass. You can pray the hours. You can pray the rosary. You can have this awesome, quote-unquote, prayer life. But if you're not doing the deeper, more important kind of prayer, which is mental prayer, which is the hardest kind of prayer, arguably, but the deepest and most fruitful kind of prayer, all of your devotional prayer, even if it's sacramental, like the celebration of the daily mass, is going to lack fruit. Um, that's why you can you can have I hesitate to say this on the air, but you can have like crotchety old ladies who like pray the rosary constantly and go to mass daily and are so mean because they're not doing the harder prayer, which is a mental prayer. Well, and I mean, to throw all of us under the bus, I I do not want to begin to throw out percentages of people who are in active ministry Mm -mm. that this is their biggest problem because they can really, and not they, us, we can go, well, I talk on the radio, mm-hmm. I give talks, I do all these things, and but frankly, they're usually easy for us, right? That's usually why we're in these sort of fields, and so we'll replace busy work for the much harder work of working on our own souls, Yes, and that's why, you know, there's people, and I mean, it would be ridiculous to name names, like the name I would need to name is, it would be easy for Bo Bonner to think that he's doing all this great work. And actually can even vacate the sort of soul of the good work he does if he ignores, if, if he allows himself to fall into the noonday devil, which is usually that uh, verse from the Psalms that people associate with the Sadia. Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. And uh, you will just experience complete burnout eventually. So I've never quite wrapped my mind around this. Is there, <clears throat> there's a distinction between sloth and Sadia? We're talking about. I know they're related in some way. Uh, I think in certain gr- I mean, certain people try to separate them mm-hmm. out. I would say for the radio show, I don't know if it's like, because <laughs> you really would have to say, like, what does Gregory the Great say? What is, right, you know, right, ev- right. Uh, Evagrius? You know, right. Different people say those things. Cashin. Yeah. And, and I think that they'll get really specific about it. But the yeah. general sense, I think your definition mm-hmm. works really great. Because I've, I've felt kind of scrupulous about Estadia sometimes. I've heard that phrase that it's the noonday devil. Is that for me, it's like when my coffee's wearing off at <laughs> 1 p.m. and I want to take my my afternoon nap. Is that a stadia working itself out of my life? I don't actually think so. Weirdly enough, one of the things that really surprised me the most, you can back me up on mm-hmm. this if you think I'm right, and if I'm wrong, castigate <laughs> me. Um, We're recording this, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're get Bo wrong on air. I actually think that people who fall into stadia and sloth many times won't, take recreate i mean won't recreate they mm-hmm. won't actually take leisure time I, I mean, again i'm coming from this from reading a lot of monastic manuals but i think they say one of the sure signs that someone's falling in a sadie is if they can't even 
like that they don't enjoy recreation because you know like the monks are usually busy but usually have, like one day a week where they can go and if you've ever been on a walk where monks are allowed to talk they are like chattering monkeys like they will not be quiet mm. and so they say like a sure sign that someone might be falling into a sadia is being quiet at recreation time mm. mm-hmm. and so I, I actually think it's la- laziness is its own deal yeah i mean <laughs> Let's not make laziness sound cooler than it is by calling it a Sadie. No, well, one one difficulty that came to mind for me, and I just want to make sure I, I sort of parse things out, these things out for myself. But, you know, famously, um, St. Mother Teresa, during the later years of her life, she really struggled with, I don't know, like a certain dryness in her spirituality. And she felt like when she prayed that God wasn't present or in some ways responding, you know, and I know that critics of her ministry have come back and said, like, look, there's this great woman of God that you guys hold up as a hero of the faith, and she was basically depressed. But I wouldn't say she was struggling with the sadia, right? That's kind of something different manifesting yeah. itself in her life. I think so. I think that the dark night of the soul, um, which you know, a lot of people attribute that can a temptation can be a sadia, but mm-hmm. the fact that she didn't sort of lose herself. And I, to me, the it's not so much being lazy. Like I, I think a modern example of people falling into a sadia is instead of like sitting down and writing an article about that problem that they see in the church, if they're capable of writing an article, they go on a Facebook crusade. <laughs> I think that's probably like my biggest temptation to a sadia is I'm like, well, I talked about it on Twitter. Yeah. The world's better. You're like, no, that was the easy way out. I think also like Mother Teresa's famous quote, um, God has not called me to be successful. He has called me to be faithful is actually at the heart of that as well. So the spiritual life is not about quote unquote success. Um, and God is going to give you periods of your life where you have dryness. Um, and so it's all about faithfulness. So if we relate that again to prayer, um, for example, Father Jacques Philippe has this wonderful book on prayer called Time for God. And basically his whole thing is just make time for God. Like that is how you pray is to make time for God. And pray and, and and to fight distraction <clears throat> and as much as possible um, work at it. Um, but it's not, oh, have um, wonderful moments of ecstasy uh, right. as much as possible. And then you'll have, you know, reached uh, your joy. And I think that that goes fits back into the story of numbers because precisely what I think, and frankly, Again, good thing I'm not God because I would have been very annoyed at this point mm-hmm. um, with the Israelites. You know, it's th- part of the problem always seems to be that they want that emotional high of the first day that they escaped. You know, they, they're in the desert and you're like, dude, he drowned half the Egyptian army mm-hmm. and is a literally a pillar of fire, which is awesome. <laughs> And like, but what do they go? They're like, we don't have meat. So he's like, I'll give you more quail than you could ever eat. And mm-hmm. they're like, we're tired of quail. You know, and you're, it's it's just one thing where it's like you said, instead of just being faithful, they're like, ah, this isn't doing it for me, Lord. Yes, yes. A, a need for like an emotional high. Not to mention that um, the scripture tells us that they despoiled the Egyptians um, and brought out jewelry Food, right. livestock. So they're likely surrounded by cows. Yes. AKA hamburgers Steak. for yes. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were days. like, we don't have food. Yeah. Right. There's, so, yeah, like, oh, but what about? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's one of those deals where it actually is very comforting to me to read the Old Testament because I'm like, 
oh yeah, we've been through this mess before. Like this is, if you look out in the church and you go like, it's never been this way. You're like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's been this way. Well, uh, this is the uncommon. We're actually going to go take, we're going to take our break at the half hour. And when we get back, we'll uh, pivot from sloth and start talking about magnanimity and really talk about both about how what they have in mind is not just the individual, uh, but really the community in mind. So this is The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Speaking with Katie Patrizio, stick around. We'll be back after these messages. Strength, stability, service, and Robert Coda. That's what you can count on with Farm Bureau Financial Services. Robert Coda, your Farm Bureau agent in Central Iowa, here to help people like you through all stages of life. He can make it simple to help protect what is most important to you, your family, cars, home, and future. Farm Bureau makes insurance simple. Robert Coda, 515-961-4555 or online at robert.coda at fbfs.com. Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Farm Bureau Property and Casualty Insurance Company. Iowa Catholic Radio would like to say a special thank you to our business partners that underwrite our programming. Friends, each day God's Word is proclaimed on this station. The message of Jesus Christ and the teachings of the church can be heard and are changing lives. We are very grateful for our business partners and would like to bless them for their support. That is why we've created an online business directory. Organized by topic for easy use, we hope you'll like it. Go to iowacatholicradio.com to check it out. Support for Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano, is provided by Confluence Brewing Company, brewed locally and featuring regular, seasonal, and limited-release beers available in their tap room and at local stores, bars, and restaurants. Confluence Brewing Company is found at 1235 Thomas Beck Road, off the bike trail south of Grays Lake, and online at confluencebrewing.com. Confluence Brewing Company is a proud supporter of Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio. Thank you, Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, for underwriting Catholic Women Now. As an authorized independent agent, Cindy's team can provide health insurance options from Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. Cindy Schulte at 1315 50th Street in West Des Moines or on the web at cindyschulte.com, 515-226-2111. Cindy and her team know health insurance. Walmart Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. Products available at Farm Bureau Financial Services. Back with the Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr. We have Katie Patrizio, Director of Faith Formation at St. Cecilia's in Ames, Iowa, with us. We've been talking about the readings today, but particularly how those readings really... uh, Highlight some of the aspects of the vice of sloth and the virtue of magnanimity. Katie, again, it's great to have you on, and uh, I hope you don't feel like we're dragging this show down with sloth. <laughs> no, not Ask, at all. Asking the hard questions, no, right? Yeah. Well, we did talk quite a bit about sloth, um, so maybe pivoting to the New Testament reading. When we talk about magnanimity, I mean, the, the bare definition is a great soul or a, the largeness of soul even. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that can really start to sound to our ears like, like an individual trait, like you just happen to be gregarious or loud or something like this. What does it mean to be of great soul? And how is it that the New Testament reading, it's precisely the concern of the woman 
for someone else that demonstrates this magnanimity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, if you want to like use a similar structure of definition, because again, we could totally parse out magnanimity for days and days and days. But if sloth the sadness at the difficulty in obtaining the good, um, we could say magnanimity um, in relation to that is the desire for greatness, which comes with being great of soul. Um, So there's a a wonderful book out, out there. I really have my own original thought. Isn't there like a joke in philosophy and theology? that if you think you thought of something you haven't read enough. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So um, there's a wonderful book out there called Virtuous Leadership um, by Alexander Havard. Um, And it's about leadership, but it's from a Christian, specifically a Catholic perspective. And basically he starts off with the virtue of magnanimity and says that that is the heart of the leader. Um, And so he he also gives another definition, parses out more magnanimity. He says it's rooted in a firm confidence in the highest possibilities of human nature. And so not only is it a sense of the highest possibilities of human nature for myself, but for others as well, which leads, for example, the Canaanite woman to nag Jesus for the sake of her daughter or for the good leader um, to motivate uh, uh, others to want to attain the heights of human nature. By the way, we call that holy and wise plagiarism. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, with thinking about magnanimity, you know, this greatness of soul, uh, it's it's encouraging to me that it's not necessarily rooted in having certain characteristics, whether you have a certain level of intelligence or certainly looks. (laughs) Um, But uh, Bo's already mentioned in the gospel reading for today, this woman, you know, she keeps bothering Jesus and Mm -hmm. she keeps following the disciples, and they say, send her away. There's another parable, right, where Jesus brings up a woman who just persistently pesters a judge. And to me, that's kind of an encouragement that if if I want to strive for the greatness that God has prepared for me, part of it is just continuing to nag, nag God. And this is sort of an image like you were talking about, Katie, where with prayer, and I, I have to admit on the radio, I really struggle with this, but like winning half the battle to borrow from GI Joe is just like carving out the space to actually Mm -hmm. say, I'm going to dedicate this time to prayer regardless Mm -hmm. of how it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, and and so nagging God, but also allowing him to nag you Mm. too. Uh huh. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, no. And when we think about prayer and getting what we want, part of it is being willing to listen. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think so great about this story is, like, what actually witty repertoire these two have, you know, that Jesus says what he does and she has, like, a really great comeback. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, you know, and because, and, I don't know, if I heard the Lord and Savior of the world go, like, this food's not for you, I'd be like, oh, man. Yes. Or I'd be thinking, like, how I'm going to go complain to my friends. But, like, that, she goes... That even the dogs get to eat scraps from the table. Right. And you're like, what a great thing to say. <laughs> right, would right. have never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. And would... he's impressed. He's <clears throat> like, you're exactly right. Definitely. I would have shriveled up on the ground and, and walked away. So, that, I mean, our Lord definitely knew that she had a magnanimous spirit. Um, but at the same time, uh, uh, y- you know, um, gosh, I just lost my train of thought completely. To kind of connect these two ideas, sloth and magnanimity, I was thinking about when we were talking during the first half of the show, like how these struggles can manifest themselves on my my own spiritual walk. And I was thinking with sloth, part of it for me is that sometimes I'm tempted to wait for others to do the work that God's called us to. I mean, to get kind of 
far afield, you know, with, um, with the apparition at Fatima, Our Lady appearing, um, to these three children, um, in the wake of that, there's been talk about like, um, Our Lady asked the Holy Father to consecrate Russia, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I've, I've had conversations with Catholics where it's like, we can sort of like fixate on this idea, but in the apparition itself, Our Lady calls all Catholics to penance and to practice this devotion of the, of the first five Saturdays. And I know for myself, like, it's much easier to say, like, ah, I can't believe the bishops don't have it together. Right. And just, I'm <laughs> completely ignoring my own prayer life and my own call to penance. It's like, I wish they would practice the penance and the boldness that I lack. Then maybe, then maybe We'd I have would. it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think uh, when it comes to the Old Testament reading, again, we can take, um, like you were saying, sometimes a random figure like Caleb. Right. We skipped over that part, but there's a there's a part when when um, the Israelites are basically being like, but w- so it's a wonderful land, but we advise you, you know, let let's just find somewhere else to live. And Caleb says we ought to go up and seize the land, for we can certainly do so. And so it is that sense of I can make a difference for the corporate body right. for the rest of the world by my own particular actions mm. and i'm going to backtrack because i remember my my train of That's thought great. from earlier right um when when talking about uh how how jesus like how would you say that to like someone mm. and 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 her to have such a wonderful comeback i think as related to the prayer life we can sometimes like if we're experiencing dryness in prayer we can sometimes say to ourselves well, God wouldn't do that. You know, he wouldn't be that mean. It's like, well, have you ever read <laughs> the Bible? <laughs> he he can. There's a reason for yeah. it. You have to understand that he's a compassionate and good and, and benevolent God. But he he creates the time and the space to, uh, to be able to write uh, amazing stories out of our lives. And so, like, you know, in sports, there's nothing like a, a good comeback. Right. You know, a good comeback is better than someone just killing something. Right. Um, but that means that there has to be an allowance uh, for the circumstances to allow a comeback, you know. And so God, as an author of history, uh, sometimes allows certain people to, to, to experience, for example, great tragedies. Like I think of the life of Pope John Paul II. Mm-hmm. Um, but his story is amazing because of that. This is The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Mars, speaking with Katie Patrizio. Exactly on that, I mean, it's it's hard for us because we've associated religion with niceness, not kindness, but niceness so thoroughly in our day and age mm-hmm. that we can't imagine God pushing back. We also can't imagine God taking any gruff, which is exactly not how prayer works in the Bible again. Mm-hmm. Um, you, were, you know, Bud, you were talking about yeah. uh, that... Uh, prayers likened, you know, to, uh, you know, persistence with a judge. I think about the strange verse that Flannery O'Connor likes so much is that, uh, that the, what is it, the holy ones take it by violence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, what? You know, <laughs> and, well, I think that there's exactly what you're tr- pointing out here is that God can give it and take it. And sometimes I have to remind people, they go like, you know, Bo, if these high schoolers or these college kids are saying like this and accusing God and asking these questions, I'm like, God's a big boy. Yes. Like God can take it and yes. God can God can answer for himself. You know, sometimes I think that like we who do things like on the radio feel like we have to like, oh, no, 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 that's not what God meant. <laughs> like we have to answer for God. I'm like, God's got this. Yes. Yes. God, God can stand up for himself 
And then in the person of Jesus Christ, God shows this, right? God mets out a pretty, you know, shots fired claim. Mm-hmm. This is for the the children. But he's he doesn't like say after she goes, but even the dogs get the scraps. He doesn't go like, who are you to talk back to me? Mm-hmm. Like he's, in, I mean, and so, you know, like Jacob wrestling with the angel. Yes. We, we have to be okay with that. And I think that's where magnanimity comes in. It doesn't mean being awesome or just like being like, like you said, like the, the person who's going to come in and beat all the teams with, you know, no sort of difficulty. It's the person that sort of can respond to the challenge. And, you know, do we do that when we go out in the church trying to form people? Do we make people who are ready to respond to the challenge? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think we exactly do the opposite mm-hmm. and make young people in the faith not really prepared to respond to the challenge. Right. Or do we even uh, pose Christianity as a challenge? Mm. Um, I think our society has such an attraction to challenge, actually. Like, we're not necessarily really good at taking up a challenge, but, you know, I mean, I was listening to the radio earlier this morning, and, you know, there's there always seems to be a song out there that is just, like, the perfect workout song or something, because <laughs> it's just, like, it's all about greatness. So Sia has a song out right now called The Greatest, and it's all about wanting to be great. That's so... Like, that has so much continuity with uh, Christian anthropology, actually. That is exactly, I mean, I, I haven't heard all the lyrics. Right, but, yeah, so, so I'm not, not completely endorsing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that that sense is something that our society recognizes it is an intrinsic source of attraction, and we have to tap into that, not because it's like some good marketing scheme right now in Catholicism or evangelization, yeah. because it's rooted in the deepest parts of human nature no i think this and i you know you were hesitating on uh throwing certain people under the bus i hesitate to say this because i don't want like people to make the wrong connections but it's probably gonna happen anyway (laughs) i was having discussions with people where you'll hear people say like well we want you to be the best version of yourself Mm -hmm. but i actually think christianity is saying something different they want christianity says we want you to be great yeah. Which is actually better than the best version of yourself. Sure, yeah. That starts to be, I guess, the the problem I have with that is we don't want you to be the best Bo Bonner. We actually want you to be divinized, which is right. something you can't yes, be yes, except yes. you enter into this larger story. A frightening, terrifying, wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Like, And we know that you all have it. Even the meekest, calmest, quietest person actually wants to be great not just mm-hmm. the, the 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 best version of their self they want to be great yes and i think that that's different yes i would agree with that 100 percent. god became man so that man might become god that's completely scandalous there's absolutely no way we can attain that on our own and yet that's utterly attractive in and of itself in and of itself just like um the sheer impossibility of like an Olympic medal bid is probably what motivates the Olympian to get out of bed. Right. Because it just seems so utterly impossible. Well, and I think that that's why we look back, and even like Greek heroes that are problematic, like Achilles, right? Or, you know, something like this. Achilles is a bad man and does horrible things. But why do people keep going back and reading Homer's Iliad? Because we're fascinated by someone who at least skims greatness. Like, it's like they... They touch the sky, and humans have been wanting to to do that, but stay up there and have failed. And then here's the lowly carpenter yes. who is the God-man who gives us the way to do it. Mm-hmm. And then it's not only the Achilles of the world who can dream this way. Now anyone can be great like that. 
We've had Justin White on the show, the director of uh, Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese, and he and I have talked about these matters, like specifically with youth ministry. How do you cast a vision of greatness for youth? Because the temptation is always there to say, like, let's give them uh, flashy displays or certain kinds of music, and if we make things fun, then they'll be they'll be drawn to church. And I don't want to just like since we're we're trying to be careful today not to throw anyone under the bus. Now it's your turn. Okay. <laughs> this do- this doesn't just happen in young adult ministry. So, Bo, you and I have been in recent weeks talking about changes even to church architecture. And you know, pews are a, a rather late invention, but what would happen at parishes one week if so- everyone showed up and the AC was off and there was no pews inside of the church. You know, and it's but I I loved Katie's point how it can't be a marketing strategy. Like we can't say like, let's cast a vision of greatness because then people will all come back. That's, that's not what we're about, but what we're about is that God has called us to conquer the giants of the land. And that's, that's a calling in our day and age as much as it was for the Israelites. This is the uncommon good with uh, Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Mars speaking with Katie Patrizio and Katie, I think it precisely uh, to Bud's point, the conquering the giants Again, it's not something that a bunch of individuals do. This is not about like just you being great. I, and you, you mentioned Olympians. I think it shows the communal nature of it because if you are from a town where like an Olympian came from, mm-hmm. everyone claims it mm-hmm. because of the communal nature mm-hmm. of greatness. Mm-hmm. And the best great people that we have, even in just human terms, mm-hmm. are, you know, they go to the Hall of Fame or whatever and they have a 20-minute discussion about how this was something we all did together Mm -hmm. so take that and multiply it times infinity and that's what we mean in magnanimity in the spiritual life Mm -hmm. that it isn't just individuals doing neato things it's really why why it is that the saints sort of drag us to heaven with them yeah yeah and i think we have we we tend to have a sometimes a very small view of the saints um, or and maybe that's just something that we've assimilated because of accusations from, you know, our non-Catholic Christian brothers and sisters like, oh, well, they're just there so that you can have someone else to pray to so they can intercede for you. And it's like, no, they are this this thing that I can claim that I can look at and say, this is the power of the cross. This is uh, uh, a man or a woman who has um, cooperated with divinization and has done something impossible through God's power. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, in people, this is just two readings from daily mass. <laughs> you know, I, I if we talk about practical ways, so people go, this all sounds really exciting. Well, what do we do on that? Every day there are readings that if we give ourselves the space to stop and think, it's not just, I mean, Katie over here is a very smart person, but it's also prayer that allows us to see that sort of stuff. This does not mean that you have to go have a graduate degree to get this sort of inspiration, like true inspiration from from the scriptures. It's a willingness to let the Bible nag on you and you nag on God in prayer. When you were talking about the communal nature of magnanimity, my mind couldn't help but go to uh, Corpus Christi processions. You know, we've brought this up on the show in the past, but this past year at St. Anthony's in, in South Des Moines, just seeing people from all walks of life out in the community with Christ ahead of us. And, you know, we were all united in the faith, but we were going out into the streets and saying, like, look, these these gifts that God's given to us, we desire for you to participate in these as well. For me, that's just a powerful image of the communion of saints all journeying towards the eternal city in union with those who have gone before us. 
and also calling the rest of the community. Like, why why go out and parade Jesus around in the streets mm-hmm. of the world? Because it's Jesus, and you can cause um, someone who has not had an inter- interaction, an encounter with Jesus to literally have an encounter with him in the Eucharist. Well, I, I think if we're going to wrap this up, because we're nearing the end of the hour, to go back to this idea that the, the the readings sort of invert each other, that it's the Israelites stopping at the footstep of Cana because they're of, of Assyria, but then it's the Canaanite woman sitting on the footstep of the promised people um, with her magnanimity reaching out uh, to the Savior. We need to be able to... Uh, I guess the way to say it is is venture out and allow ourselves to be Canaanites. <laughs> um, if we're in the church, we really do, you know, we're the people of God, we follow the rules, we're checking off all the boxes, but there's a way in which we have to allow ourselves to be like those wild cannibals <laughs> that you were saying the, can- the Canaanites were. No, but I mean, like, the, there's a way which if we don't venture out in prayer into that wilderness, we won't we won't be able to inhabit, we won't be able to live out that sort of boldness mm-hmm. that we're that we're calling for mm-hmm. people. Yeah, otherwise it lapses into the sort of legalism that um, uh, the author talked about in overcoming lukewarmness, um, and, and it, it it it's a sort of like placid. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. I'm good, and then all of a sudden we may not even have a desire for God anymore. Mm-hmm. And. I I call this sometimes domesticating God or the scriptures or anything. It's to forget how wily and fun and terrifying a God we serve is. The God we serve is. Mm-hmm. He's the untamed lion. The untamed lion. And Your I, God I, is too small. Yeah. Oh. Thanks, <laughs> thanks John Leonetti. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I think that that starts to be exactly it. Is if you find yourself with that dryness to. To go back to the scripture and read it for the first time to say this God is weird and woolly and wacky and wonderful uh-huh. and that we serve a God that is is not simply boring at all. Yes, absolutely. Well, we didn't touch on the psalm today for the, the <laughs> daily readings, but that ends with, I mean, it really ties into what we're talking about where it says, Then God spoke of exterminating them, but Moses, his chosen one, withstood him in the breach to turn back his destructive wrath. So part of our prayer today can be like, God, remember that time you turned back from your wrath against the people. We ask for that same grace today. And we sort of like, hey, Moses pestered you out of out of destroying the people. Like, you know, I'm going to stand in the breach myself. Yeah, and with all the talk of nuclear weapons, maybe we need to do oh. that more often. Yeah. <laughs> well, Katie Patrizio, thank you for coming on the show. It was wonderful, as always. Director of Faith Formation at St. Cecilia's in Ames, Iowa. We'll have to have you back again someday soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, bud, uh, we're coming to a close of another show, and like usual, when it's really great, we, uh, you know, butt up almost all the way to the end. Um, one way that I think people can be a part of this, and again, it sounds like maybe we're trying to come up with a nice ploy to get some people to send us some cash, but I promise it's not, because if we think of Iowa Catholic Radio as just one more nice thing we have, then sure, that that's all it is. But if we're talking about it being a ministry that really we contribute together, there's a way in which people, even though maybe they're not um, blessed with these, you know, sonorous radio voices you and I have, <laughs> they're, 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 blo- they're blessed with real jobs, um, that if they participate by helping, uh, by uh, sending st- uh, 
resources to the show so that we can keep this up. Well, with that being said, um, both you and I will be down at the fair tonight. The, there's the kickoff parade, and Iowa Catholic Radio is going to have, should I call it a float? Or we have a truck? truck of, A truck float. So 6.30 p.m., I think it's a pretty big crowd. There's bound to be fried something. But we'd love to, um, if you're a supporter either by prayer or financially, we'd love to meet you in person, talk to you about the ministry of Iowa Catholic Radio, hear the constructive feedback that you have regarding the show. Right. That's not like I... Well, if you are one of the people we threw under the bus, you're going to have a clean shot with a tomato down there later today. So, but uh, whatever it is, but no, we thank you all for your support. And like Bud was pointing out, if financially you can't support us, prayer supports us as well. And we just love the fact that Iowa Catholic Radio is a community and that we all get to contribute to this together. Um, other ways that you can, of course, participate in the ministry of Iowa Catholic Radio, we have uh, the rosary that's at 930 every day. Um, also in the morning, uh, Bible in a Year I, I begins at 5, and then it's followed by the rosary. You know, if you're struggling in your prayer life, I found for myself that just a little thing like um, turning over from sports talk radio to pray the rosary on your drive into work, something small like that can be the spark of um, that you need to get back to move deeper into your spiritual life. And I mean, you know, you don't really need to listen to sports talk radio because your teams are probably going to lose. I mean... I'm just guessing most of the, you out there, your team's not going to make it. I mean, statistically, it's only one team anyway, but just more than statistics, your team's probably going to lose. So, if, so yeah, listen to the Rosary. If you were living in Nebraska, oh, you may need to listen to Sports Talk. In radio, the 90s, if you, had a, if you had a time machine, <laughs> and it was in the... No, I'm kidding. Yeah. That's mean. Touche. Touche. Well, uh, folks, this has been The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Um, may Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in our families, in our, excuse me, in our hearts, in our families, uh, in our city, in our state, our country, the entire world. This has been The Uncommon Good. We will see you next Wednesday. God bless. I said I'd seen the killing and could identify the feeling and shot a man Town hall blows. I said I'd seen the killing and could identify the feeling. And shot a man beneath the town hall blows. I was one.